Hi, everyone. We're here today with Dr. Melinda Connor, who has taught communication courses at the college level for 15 years and is currently the high impact practice specialist for TBR, the College System of Tennessee, where she supports faculty in their efforts to increase student success while still maintaining academic rigor. Uh, how are you doing today, Melinda? I'm doing great today, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. Um, so we're going to jump in and discuss some topics from our uh, podcast series, mostly focusing on creating community, um, effective feedback and communication, and um, tone and, instru and instructor presence in the online and traditional or hybrid classrooms. So our first question here is, what are some community building or group work strategies uh, you've used in the online classroom? What went well? What didn't? Well, as far as community building strategies, I make sure to use student names in the online classroom, just like it's important for us to pronounce them correctly in our face-to-face -face classrooms, um, making sure that we spell the names correctly in our online classroom uh, is important. It's also pretty easy because usually it's right in front of us uh, as we're typing. So I make sure to use their names. I send out welcome emails. Um, and private messages to them as well uh, through the D2L system, just to make sure that I'm making a connection early and they know that what how to contact me. Uh, I, and I've also put in a getting acquainted thread in my orientation module uh, is where I usually put it. Sometimes I put it in the, the first module of content, uh, but that way, and, and it depends on the course and how, how the structure is as to whether or not I grade that discussion, because sometimes I'll give them some credit, a low stakes, uh, you know, low credit for it. But with the getting acquainted thread, I post my bio and I uh, ask them for specific things like, you know, what do you think is most interesting about you or um, who do you... Uh, who do you feel like you are? You know, sometimes that, yeah. that's a different way of asking them, you know, who are you? <laughs> who do you feel like you are? Uh, but yeah, so I do that. I also sometimes create discussion teams, depending on the size of the class. If it's a large class, sometimes going through just one discussion thread for everybody is a little overwhelming for me and them. Mm -hmm. So I'll break it up and maybe make discussion teams for them so that they have separate discussion threads with just their little group um, for the class. And, and I think that that helps to create community. Uh, as far as group work, I don't use many team assignments, but when I do online, I make sure that I grade them individually and that they know that they're going to be graded on their you know, individual contributions as much as I can possibly determine that. Uh, and I try to use it, at, well, the way that I determine that is by using a team evaluation form um, that they must submit with their uh, assignment. So that, and, and in the, on that form, I have them evaluate themselves as well as all their other team members. And, and so that gives me a rounded view usually of who did what and you know, so, so that's how I try to facilitate group work and community building um, online. 
That makes sense. I mean, I think between, you know, having smaller discussion teams and then probably later in the semester, I'm guessing the students kind of interact with the entire class and then having these team evaluation forms, uh, it really, for lack of a better word, forces some, you know, peer-to-peer interaction just because uh, it asks them, you know, students to narrow kind of their focus and then they can expand and have sort of some students that they're familiar with in the class as they start interacting with the whole. So that sounds really effective. Yeah, I I like to use um, think pair share in my face to face classrooms, and that's a little more challenging online. So that's Mm -hmm. why I do some of those discussion teams for certain assignments. Yeah, that's that's another really good good way to kind of transition right between our our traditional classroom techniques and then what we might change or do a little bit differently online. Yeah. So our next question here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, when I do form those little discussion teams, they end up kind of checking in on one another. You know, it really does kind of build the community because not only am I, if if we don't have the teams, then I'm the one who kind of notices whether somebody's there or not and I'll reach out. But those little teams let them notice each other and, and form you know, some relationships, however positive those might be. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that happens naturally in the traditional classroom. So we can kind of give them a little push in that direction for the online class. Uh, you're right. It kind of gives just another layer of, of helpfulness there. Absolutely. So beyond creating community, you know, just for our students, um, what can instructors do to feel a stronger sense of community amongst themselves, right? For other teachers, Um, or between other teachers when uh, teaching online or across several different delivery methods, right? Some of us might be stretched in doing traditional hybrid, you know, online or a combination of the above. Right, right. And and when we are online, you know, we miss those faculty lounge interactions. Um, I just miss being around people sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and my friends and my colleagues. I I think that the best way to do to do that to help build a stronger sense of community among us or your team, um, whether it's your departmental team or just colleagues that you have across the campus, is to maybe schedule, I mean, totally schedule it, uh, but sanity breaks, just a, a Teams meeting or a a Zoom meeting for yourselves and invite everybody to come and let them know, you know, title it sanity break. (laughs) And and during that time, just kind of have a loose agenda, check in on how everybody's doing and, you know, talk about what's working in your online class and what or classes and, and what's not. And then, you know, share things you've tried, um, helpful tips that you found make thing make life a little easier for yourself (laughs) yeah Um, yeah schedule those sanity breaks at the beginning of the semester for the whole semester if we don't we're going to get lost in our own calendars and Mm -hmm. not necessarily reach out to connect I think yeah yeah no I totally agree and I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in focusing on what our students need that we sometimes forget what we need to Yes, it's very important to take care of ourselves, you know, even with our own families, if we don't take care of ourselves, it's very difficult to take care of anyone else. And that's true for teaching as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. And it kind of replaces that, you know, faculty lounge, right, we might, which we (laughs) might take for granted. (laughs) Uh, But then, you know, we kind of need that in the online uh, sense as well. Yeah, because we're not getting it organically. So so scheduling it, Mm -hmm. you know, really makes sure that that we can connect. Mm -hmm. 
and outside of, you know, the formal faculty meetings <laughs> where we might not necessarily just chat. Right, exactly. Or we might not have the time or the space to kind of bring up some complaints or concerns or suggestions, you know, things that, uh, yeah, it just might not be the time or place for those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, having that sanity break would would give us an opportunity to communicate differently. <laughs> yes, and, and smile a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Have some fun. Have some kind of be lighthearted. Yeah. Um, so talking about communication, um, if you could give instructors your top three tips for communicating effectively in an online course, what would they be? Top three uh, makes me think of my teaching trinity, and that's, that's just a Melinda term. You know, I don't know <laughs> if you'll find that anywhere else, but it's kind of like the Cajun cooking trinity of the onion and the pepper and the celery. Yep. Um, mine is, my teaching trinity is be prepared, be responsive, and be engaging. Uh, I think those are three keys to teaching success in any classroom, but especially the online classroom, because when I talk about being prepared, I'm, I mean, know your class from beginning to end before the semester starts, um, schedule out when you're going to braid, when that email announcement's going to go out, use the AI um, technology within your D2L if it allows you to um, schedule announcements. Go ahead and put that in so, you, so that as your semester runs along, uh, when you run into roadblocks or things that keep you from your work like you would like, then it's already established. It, you're just kind of running on a track at that point. And your students, are, you know, are they, if you share the schedule and stuff with them ahead of time for the whole semester, they can be more prepared as well. And they can build out their calendar. Um, I, I really like using the calendars and things like that within the D2L to help me and them. Uh, so that, that's how I feel about being prepared. And then being responsive, uh, make sure that we're answering our, the emails students send us uh, within 24 hours. I think it's good to check your email every day. And while you might not answer every email that's in your inbox, if it's from a student, definitely go ahead and respond. Yep. Uh, that way they know that they can reach you. They're not going to have anxiety. And uh, because any anxiety and stress that we add to, to their world uh, while they're already overwhelmed is going to lessen their likelihood to be retained you know, and to graduate, they're more mm -hmm. likely to, to just drop the class or to, to not do well in the class. So be responsive and um, provide a questions thread within your discussion forums so that, and you might want to do that one for the entire semester. You might want to do one for each module, mm -hmm. uh, make it like a questions and chat um, and be, be sure to, to answer those within 48 hours. Let them know you're checking into the online classroom at least every two days. Um, and then provide students with maybe, a, a, I always provide them with my text number. Not everybody's comfortable with that, but I've never, in the 15 years I've done it, I, I haven't had any problems with someone overusing that. But Google Voice lets us uh, disguise our number or have a different number that mm -hmm. rings our phone. Uh, so do that. But being responsive is important because it helps the students stay connected, stay on track. Because if they're waiting for three days for us to answer a question, they've probably forgotten what question they really had while they were trying to do their homework. Right, so right. <laughs> or moved on from that assignment, right? <laughs> they've kind of right. given up. So as, as much as we can, let's be responsive. And then 
be engaging by, we talked about using student names and spelling them correctly. Um, make sure that you're sending some feedback that includes their name, whether it's grading feedback or weekly feedback for their class. You, that, of course, that's not going to include the name, but do provide like feed, feedback that's not necessarily solely associated with assignments, mm -hmm. um, but, but maybe more broadly how they did for the week as a whole. Um, and in the feedback, ask a, a question, whether it's rhetorical or whether you really want to know the answer, they may reach out to you with an answer, uh, but it will always further that discussion, especially if it's in the discussion forum, ask a question at the end of your post to kind of help them keep going and to help them engage more with that discussion. Because a lot of times if a post just ends with a period and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's something to think about. And then you just move on. But if it has a question, it prompts our brains, which are question answering machines mm -hmm. to find <laughs> the answer to that question, whether or not they actually verbalize it or just mull it over. I really like uh, that idea. Cause I usually sign off with just, you know, my name and let me know if you have any questions. Uh, but I think that that sometimes can lose its, its, you know, potency over time, because if you're always doing that, then, you know, I always think of it like I'm open, right. I'm here. But if we actually pose a question, like you said, that, that gives students a little bit more, um, of a chance to either respond or at least just kind of start thinking in that direction. We can kind of use it as a transition to the next module or assignment as well. Sure. And, and it models for them critical thinking, mm -hmm. you know, if we're always questioning, which is what we do as scholars anyway, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're modeling that behavior for them and it helps them um, because that's one of the skills that employers are really looking for that their concerned is being lost is critical thinking. So mm -hmm. any way that we can support that is important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And even I just kind of thought of this, even if we ask them to respond on that question discussion board thread, you know, that could kind of keep that conversation going as well. And I know I like to use the little star subscribe button so that it prompts me to, yeah. to check that too, you know, so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle as well. And that's an important thing too, right? That helps us to be more engaging because mm -hmm. it lets us know when somebody actually responded to that post. Yeah, uh, That's a really good thing to use. And include elements of fun somewhere. You know, maybe it's a, something you saw in the news that had to do with the class. Um, you can create a just a chat discussion for that um, or put it in the module chat. But I don't know, share your, your excitement about the materials and, and it'll, I know face-to-face, -face, a lot of times we get a lot of inspiration and, and we, we as educators kind of thrive on that spirit that, mm -hmm. <laughs> of conversation and, and learning that happens in our classroom and online, it's really not very present. So it helps us to kind of, um, when we can incorporate fun or current events into the class, then it'll help us with the energy for the class mm -hmm. that you don't always experience online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and overall, that energy is, is what keeps us engaged. You know, that's what has teachers and students coming back to the traditional classroom. But if we can bring some of that into the online classroom, um, I think we'll see similar results. I think you're right. <laughs> um, so this is one of my favorite questions because I know I spend a lot of time giving feedback and grading. But can you share a couple simple time efficient tips for, with us or techniques for effective uh, feedback and grading? Well, I in Yes, uh, <laughs> that's the short answer. Uh, my best tip for 
effective feedback and grading. You know, we want to make sure that we are sharing what they did well, sharing what they didn't do so well, let them know how they can improve that, like refer to chapter six on, mm -hmm. you know, on page four for the table that will help you with this or whatever it happens to be. And then even asking a question within feedback. Uh, those are important elements, those four important elements to put within our feedback. But if we sit there and do that every single time, we're going to be typing a lot. Um, <laughs> we're going to be heading towards some carpal tunnel issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's time consuming. And then we're overwhelmed because we don't, we want to provide effective feedback, but we might not have the time. So what I've learned through the years is when I create a solid feedback comment uh, for an assignment, I will put that into a Word document for that class that I keep. I call them meta documents. I keep a running list of, of feedback that uh, I include. And then I can copy paste for like the, the major things, like um, the things that they what I usually do is I use the assignment instructions uh, and create, you know, a perfect uh, feedback, like a feedback for our 100, you know, which mm -hmm. is rare, right? <laughs> but for our 100. And then I will use that um, to decide and determine. It also kind of helps me as I grade, did they do this, 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 and this? Mm -hmm. And then within that, I can modify it. Um, so that's, I, I keep those for high performing, low performing, um, you know, just different things that maybe they're con consistently missing, like no citations in the paper. Um, I'll have a feedback comment that is just for that. Um, so I, th I help, think that it helps me be more consistent and I think it helps me be more effective because the student doesn't know I'm copying, pasting and modifying the right. message. Right. So they receive a paragraph and they, they are feeling fulfilled <laughs> in their desire to know that they did well or what to do if they did not. <laughs> uh, so that's those meta documents have really helped me. I use them for uh, announcements. I use them for emails. I, you know, anything that I repeat mm -hmm. uh, routinely within the course, uh, even my discussion posts. Uh, especially my discussion posts, because I try to find relevant articles and, and resources to include in there, you know, kind of supplementary things. And I don't want that just to be one, that work to go for just that one post um, when I could put it over in the Word document. And when I need it, I'll just use the search function to find it and, and can reuse it and, and not lose that resource. A lot of times I've well, I started doing that after I lost a few resources. I'm like, where is that? I can't find that anymore. So yeah. I, I like those meta documents. Is that something you've ever tried, Sarah? Oh, yeah. I And I think I do it on a smaller scale. You know, when I'm grading, I'll kind of draft uh, for different assignments, you know, the sort of end note. Um, and I know yeah. a lot of teachers, especially writing teachers, will use Turnitin comments. And they have this, like, palette where you can use, you know, kind of the same comments over and over. And it's just sort of a quick note. Um, and that's really helpful as well. But I use the, my end notes and um, I kind of alter them for every student. But I tend to copy and paste, you know, between so that I can uh, individualize these responses, but also make sure that I'm being consistent, like you said, and 
and helping students connect the dots. So if they're using, you know, if they turn in a thesis statement, I want to make sure, and I'll say this in my end note, that they're using that later on the research essay. So they know what right. it's for, right? And so we're like, they know where, the, where they're going with that information and with that feedback instead of just walking away and saying like, okay, I got you know, X grade on this assignment, moving on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we say nice job B. Well, how, yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> how that help a student? Right. What do I do now? <laughs> yeah. So I think, and, and this is giving me ideas for, you know, later as, as we kind of like prep, you know, between semesters and over the summer uh, to enhance these meta documents. And like you said, keep them in a, in a larger running word document uh, so that we can, yeah you know, revise and edit and share with other people and use these from semester to semester. And, and like you said, really collect those resources, um, especially if you're sharing an article or something uh, that might not be relevant to one student. It might be relevant for everybody. Yeah, that the running document, the meta document is the one I have for my teamwork class, which is a class I teach most often has, let's see, it is four years old. And it has 48 pages. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> you know, there's a lot there for me. And it's not like I'm reading through it. I just use the search box and I organize it by module one, module two, you know. Yep. So it really, really helps me out. Yep. No, I think that's that's really great advice. Um, okay, so our last couple of questions here, we're talking about presence and tone. Uh, so how we're, you know, giving that feedback and communication. So how might instructors effectively shift their lessons from the classroom to an online and or hybrid format while still maintaining their unique tone and teaching style? This is one of our biggest challenges, I think, mm -hmm. you know, it, I mean, so I appreciate this question. I mean, yes, we want to use videos and audios let's get over our shyness or our, I don't know how to use that technology um, and just learn because our students have been shy and we're asking them to step out of the box. Let's do it too. <laughs> so do create, if you want to infuse your personality in an online class, it's important to, for them to see your personality or to hear it. If you're not comfortable with the camera or if your equipment doesn't allow that, use an audio recording. Um, and sometimes we're able to, you know, sometimes I've seen where uh, faculty members will record audio feedback or video feedback uh, for a student and that helps them. Uh, it's another way to be effective with your feedback if you don't do the meta documents and write it all out, you know, you could just record something for them. Um, but also, if you in class use the whiteboard a lot, um, then maybe get you a small whiteboard and, and use it in with the video. Um, I've seen I've seen where people just write things on, on a piece of paper with a big marker and hold it up while they're talking, like keywords. You know, yep. <laughs> as they're doing their lecture, they just hold up the keyword. <laughs> or you know the primary concept or a picture um you know you can screen share while you video too mm -hmm. uh, whatever works for you but you can make them a little more engaging and show your personality through that um, also there are tools online like edpuzzle edpuzzle.com is where you would find it but it is really helpful i haven't used it myself but i've seen several instructors use it and i'm kind of chomping at the bit to get it incorporated for fall into my class. Um, but it's a situation where you can upload any video. It could be a video from like a, like a TED talk or mm -hmm. something like that, or it can be your own. And Edpuzzle allows you to insert comments 
um, and start little quizzes um, or a multiple choice question. And it, it's really engaging and fun, um, but it'll help you to even use an outside video and still incorporate your own personality and tone and, and let students know what you think is important within the video in the moment that they're watching it. So it's kind of like little commercials. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I know that um, Educanon and I think I'm thinking the right things um, is does something similar, but I also like Camtasia oh. or Screencastify for like screen sharing and, and capturing that way. So there's lots of different options out there. I think we all just kind of have to find which one we are most comfortable with. Yes. Does Ed Cannon allow you to insert things within the video? I think it does. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, questions. And <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. I like the idea of the whiteboard too, because teachers can do that themselves, right? They don't necessarily have to uh, create it with technology. But, you know, if you're sharing your screen or you're videoing yourself, you can hold up that whiteboard and say like, you know, this is the main idea that's happening in this discussion or this quick lecture or whatever. And it's, it'll be on the quiz. Um, and that adds some personality too. And that's what we normally do in our classes. Um, you exactly. know, and just jump and it's in a and, low tech option, you know, yeah, if yeah. you're not comfortable with the screencasting and, and all of that, it's an easy way <laughs> to get it done. And Loom is another one that L O O M, oh, okay. um, it's just a quick plug in and, and go, it'll screencast or just record you. So yeah, that's what I say. Just be you, you know, and, and don't worry about what it looks like. I know when I first started doing uh, the Teaching Tuesday videos, I was very nervous every time. <laughs> the more I did them, the less nervous I became, just like any other public speaking, you know, yeah. <laughs> and and more I, familiar I became with the equipment. So just because it takes you a long time, maybe to record your first video does not mean that that's going to be the case every time. There is a learning curve and and you'll, you'll round that curve. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's what I told, I told a student this this week and I was posting videos. I was actually recording while I was teaching so that I could, you know, edit a little bit later and then upload that for the students who missed class. Um, oh. and, I, and I knew they weren't perfect, but, you know, if they had been there in class, that, that's what they would have gotten. <laughs> so even if, the exactly. video, even if the video wasn't perfect, they still get the same information. Well, and, and you know, I've had students to, in, in class, record me for like a, a classmate who is in the hospital or something sure, sure. You know, joining us via FaceTime for class. You know? so it's kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I, I really like that we're able to do that now, right. And that we can be more flexible and, uh, and just have these options for students. Uh, Cause every once in a while, yeah, there's a day where you don't have your car or something comes up and you still want the information you still want to learn, but you might not be able to physically be in class. Absolutely. We don't have to be uptight about it. Let's mm -hmm. just get it done. Yep. Just like we do in the classroom. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. Anything else we want to add there? I've got one last question for you. I, I, no, I think that that kind of covers that. Okay. For me. <laughs> um, no, that's great. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't cutting something. you off too soon. No, I don't think so. Um, okay. So our last section here, uh, in addition to voice recordings and videos like we've talked about, um, how might instructors enhance their personal presence in virtual aspects of their classroom? So, um, like I said, I know we've already covered this somewhat, but uh, if well, you've got any... But in, like you say, in addition to that, yeah. you know, what could we do? Um, yeah, if we're not doing or when you're not doing videos and, and audio recordings or podcasts, some people have... Oh, by the way, some people have YouTube channels uh, for their... And I always... It's free. YouTube 
account is free and the YouTube studio is easy to use. So if you do create videos, I do suggest that you upload those to YouTube because it'll caption and transcript those, make them accessible in mm -hmm. ways that we're, you know, we need to do. Um, it'll do that automatically. And then you can go back and just double check that transcript and a quick edit takes care of that usually. Um, but you can create playlists and YouTube channels for your courses. So that's something video wise, but beyond videos, and audios. Um, you can use, and I've done this once, I, I, I have to say it's not something that I've consistently done, but I'm, I'm seeing the benefit of it um, after doing it for, for the class I did. Using a consistent color scheme and font um, and structure within your materials so that they're easily identifiable with you. Even if it's just everything that for that class has a blue header in Arial, size 14 and you know, that's bolded you know even if it's just something as simple as that just something that's consistent with every piece of material uh, that you provide for your students um, I think that that helps them to identify oh yeah this is I remember where I am I know who this is mm -hmm. you know I know what I'm doing and so that kind of gives your personal presence there as well um, but <clears throat> you could use bitmoji or make an avatar of yourself um, or use some sort of image. I, I like Bitmojis and that's at bitmoji.com, B-I-T-M-O-J-I. Uh, and you can plug that into your keyboard on your um, phone. You can plug it into your browser. And uh, from my browser, I'll copy and paste my Bitmojis into emails. Uh, but it's just a little cartoon of yourself um, that you can put different clothes on and put in different situations. They have like a lot of different classroom uh, bitmojis that they create and it's just fun to kind of go through I will also create a, a meta document of my bitmojis that I want to <laughs> use in class I must admit I will copy and paste those into a word document and because there's one that's like back to school and then there's sure. one that's like a confusion or questions so I really like using those I think any any way we can kind of um, show our face when we're not showing our face sure sure yeah <laughs> And some people might be more comfortable doing that anyway, and, and it adds a little bit of fun as well. It does. And, and I'd, it might not come through in all email formats, you know, and, and things like that. But when you do it in course documents, it, it's helpful. And the announcements, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget the power of adding like a quick accessible image too. It doesn't always have to be a video or a lot of content, right? It can just be something kind of fun and colorful. Yes, yeah. And, and, you know, even helping the students to, or encouraging them to add an avatar for themselves, you know, will help build community um, and, and just help add their own personality into mm -hmm. the course as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea. That'd be a good thing to put on an introductory discussion board too. have, you know, everyone kind of design uh, their presence in the classroom as, you know, as a group. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Shoot, I still, you know, in, in class, I usually have students draw out concept maps and things like that. So in the online class, it was a little more challenging. Um, but now with, <clears throat> and when I say online, I mean asynchronous online, it's a little more challenging because mm -hmm. when we're synchronous online, we can, you know, group people with a whiteboard and make it work. But um, I, I try to maybe provide a t-shirt template and say design a t-shirt for this concept or whatever, you know, it's something like that. Just whatever it is that you do in class, um, strive to, to find a way to 
do that similarly online. And, and because if you have an engaging class and you know what you do and, and you love it, and then you get to the online and you're just like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Try your best and reach out to your colleagues, reach out to me um, for help with where you might find tools for that. Um, Cause I'm always willing to help with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, it just, we just need a little bit of an idea, right. Or motivation. And even though the online or asynchronous lesson might not really carry over exactly the same, uh, we can still use that you know, idea from our traditional classroom and try to create it in a slightly different way. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's, I'm out of questions, but I really appreciate your time, <laughs> Melinda, <laughs> and your well, ideas and advice. <laughs> I, I love being here. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to, to hear the rest of the podcast series and I appreciate you including me and I hope that everybody benefits from this information. I think so. And if um, at the very least, you know, I think we're adding some community, right. And, and just kind of talking about everything that we've all experienced when trying to go online during the pandemic and hopefully after too. So um, yeah, either yes, way. We're, let's we're... make sure to schedule those sanity breaks. With yep. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, thanks Melinda. Um, I'm sure that we'll be talking to you soon and um, hopefully some of our listeners will reach out and we can collaborate further. Absolutely. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dynamic. The conversation in this episode was shared by Sarah Amato and Melinda Connor. Nate McKay edited this episode. Ashley Rayburn is the executive producer. Dynamic is a production from the Center of Dynamic Instruction at Cleveland State Community College.